beginning with verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do? Hallelujah. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, let me just let me just say this before I get started this morning. He said this same promise that he made to the people on the day of Pentecost was to everyone that God calls. You know, the Bible says you can't come to God unless the Spirit draws you. You didn't just wake up this morning and decide to come to church. Yes, you had to make a decision, but that's not all that happened. I'm telling you, the Spirit drew you here. You can't come to God unless the Spirit draws you. The Spirit called you this morning, and if he called you, then this promise is to you. Well, hallelujah, it's to you. Praise God, hallelujah. Everyone say, it's to me. Everyone say, it's to me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's to me. Praise God. You have the promise today. Amen. Now, we're not going to talk about the promise per se. I mean, that's not my title. Let me give you my title, and it's different than most titles. I try to keep them short, sweet, try to use um, uh, phrases that, that will kind of lodge in your mind. Um, this title is more lengthy than I normally use, but it was the best way I knew to describe what I was feeling. So what I want to preach to you about this morning is the most important question you will ever ask. The most important question you will ever ask. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, give you a sneak preview. Spoiler alert. Amen. I'm going to tell you that I'm also going to give you the answer to that question. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we put our Bibles down and ask the Lord to help us today? I really, really need the touch of God this morning. Let's talk to him together. Everybody reach out to God. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Oh, that's it. Let's reach out to him. Let's, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm telling you, God wants to do something in this service this morning. God wants to do something in this service. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel, I feel it here this morning. 
I may not even get to preach this morning. Someone may receive the Holy Ghost before I even get started today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, 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 thank you for praying. I'm going to ask you to pray again. I'm going to ask you to pray a specific prayer. I want you to pray this prayer. God, if you have more for me than what I have, would you give it to me today? Is that a fair... Is that a fair prayer for us to, doesn't, look, if God's, I'm telling you right now, if God's got more for me than what I have, I want it. And I want it before I leave this house today. Oh, hallelujah. I don't think we can ever get enough of God. I don't think we can ever reach the place we've got all we need. Oh, hallelujah. So would you, would you right now just pray a simple prayer? God, if you've got more for me than what I have, would you give it to me today? Can we pray that prayer right now, everybody? I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Praise God. The most important question you'll ever ask. I want to start out this morning in the very beginning. I want to take you all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It's a story that I think most of us know. I would dare say that uh, probably, most likely, everybody in this building has heard the story of Adam and Eve. Now, you may not have heard all the truth about Adam and Eve, but you probably heard the story. I say you may not have heard all the truth because, you know, I read some some years ago where scientists were trying to disprove the Bible by going into the Mesopotamia Valley where they believe Eden was and trying to grow apple trees there to prove that apple trees can't grow in that location. Therefore, the story of Adam and Eve is wrong. Now, there are several problems with this. Number one, we, we do know where the rivers are that the Bible talks about, at least some of them, but we don't know the exact location of that garden. And number two, the Bible nowhere says it was an apple tree that they ate of. That's right. I even heard a, God forbid, a bluegrass gospel song one time. One of the, I knew some of you would appreciate that. Um, I need to just leave that alone. Go on. Um, anyhow, anyhow, uh, I heard a bluegrass gospel song that said something about Eve eating the apple. 
And I'm just telling you, the Bible nowhere says it was an apple. We don't know specifically what that fruit was other than it was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now that tree doesn't exist on earth today, so we don't know what its fruit looked like. So, so that's why I say you may have heard some of the story and you may not have gotten all of the facts from the scripture that tends to happen uh, with these stories. They get spread around and, and um, just like, Lord, I've got to get to my notes, but just like the story of Noah uh, is so familiar and everybody tells you that there were two of each kind of animal that went on Noah's ark. This is not in the notes, but I need to prove this just because I know what I'm about to say. There are some people here who don't know this fact, but I want to show you. I want to show you something. Um, we, we've heard over and over that Noah took two of each kind of animal on the ark, right? Right? Every picture you see of Noah's ark, there's two. Two giraffes, two elephants, two monkeys, two of everything, Right? Every children's book you pick up, it's two. Um, every toy they make of children's. In fact, I, I had fun with this fact um, when I was in Africa. Africa, they do a lot of woodworking. Uh, in fact, if you've got time to stop by my office, I'll show you some of the excellent woodwork that they do over there, carving animals and, and different things. And one of the things that as we were looking at some of their work, they had carved a Noah's Ark. And I said, you guys are going to have to go back and make some changes. And they said, why? I said, because what you've depicted is not accurate with the scriptures. Well, how's that? I said, well, do you have a Bible? And most of them, believe it, you know, people think that Africa is, is still people living in huts and running away from lions and throwing spears. And it's, it's not like that. I'm telling you, most of these people I deal with have smartphones. Do they or do they not? Most of them have some, in fact, a lot of them have two phones. There are two basic cell carriers in Africa, and it's cheaper for them just to get one phone from each carrier. Some places have some service and other places. So, yeah, so it's a lot different than what you imagine. Now, it's still squalor. It's still poverty. But they do manage to get smartphones. That's right. I've seen a lot of them have tablets like, you know, the... the um, iPads, that kind of thing. A lot of them have that. And, and I'll tell you, I've passed by 10, 10 shacks that had satellite dishes on top of it. That's the truth. It's the truth. Um, priorities, I guess. But anyhow, anyhow, I, I said that to say that I'll ask them, do you have a Bible? And, well, they've got it on their phone. I said, all right, let me, let, let's, let's turn here to Genesis chapter 7. And, and you might want to do that this morning. If you, if you haven't heard me explain this before, you might want to do that. I'm glad to have our youth group upstairs today, though we need to pray for Sister Desiree. Went into the hospital yesterday with some kidney stones. We need to be praying for her. But glad to have the youth group here in our sanctuary this morning. Um, they need to hear what I'm going to be dealing with today, too. In fact, God would like to give this same promise to some of them today. Well, praise God. Amen. We'll, we'll get more exciting in just a moment. You just stay with me. This is important. Genesis chapter 7. What does verse 2 tell us? 
Genesis 7, verse 2. Of every clean beast. Of every clean beast. Now, maybe we should back up and, and go to verse 1 so we know this really is the story of Noah's ark. Can, can we do that? It's not too much trouble. Let's back up to verse 1. And the Lord said, and to, the Noah, Lord said to Noah, Come thou, come thou and, and all and thy, house, all into thy the house into the ark. For thee have I seen thee righteous. Have I seen righteous. So everybody men. agrees this is Noah's ark. Everybody agrees. It's Noah's ark. All right, now let's read verse 2. Of every clean beast. Of every clean beast. Thou shalt take thou to thee by seven. take to thee by twos. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what your Bible says? Shall take to thee by sevens. There's an S on the end. Most other translations say seven pairs. Well, there's dead silence in here. Some of you are getting a revelation this morning. Praise God. They went, he said, take the clean beasts by sevens, and then he says the male and his female. So obviously, he's talking about seven pairs or 14 clean animals. And of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. So there were 14 of the clean and, and, you know, I, I don't have time to explain the difference between clean animals and unclean, but, but in Noah's day, this, this, this was the distinguishing factor between what you could eat and what you couldn't eat. Some animals, like swine, were considered unclean animals. And, and so in the Old Testament, under that time period, there were things they could not eat uh, and they could not sacrifice to God. And, and, and the reason that God wanted him to take 14 clean ought to be obvious to us. Number one, they got to eat something while they're on board the boat. And number two, they need to be making sacrifices to God. And it's the first thing Noah did when they came off the ark was to offer sacrifice. So that God wanted more of the clean animals. So it was 14 clean and two unclean. So you, some of you learned something this morning if you don't learn anything else that I say. But this is what happens is we get taught traditions and never look to the Bible to find out what's true. And sadly, sadly, and I'm not, I'm not throwing stones. I'm telling you, it's all around the world. This is what my work in Africa is all about. It's because there they have given me the open door to just sit down with the Bible and say, I don't care what your tradition has said, this is what Scripture says. Unfortunately, too many Americans would rather live by their traditions than accept the truth. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, this is the way everyone else does it. We, don't, we need to say, I don't care what everyone else says. We need to stand on what the Word of God says. Well, praise God. So, anyhow, I got way sidetracked this morning. But... but uh, just, just know that you may not know all of the true facts of the story of the Garden of Eden. But, but we, we want to we look at something here. Um, the story tells us about how God had forbidden them to eat of that particular fruit. 
And, uh, and yet we find Eve conversing with the serpent there and, and the serpent uh, asking that question uh, about has God said, did God say? And, and uh, Eve said, well, this is what God said. And, and uh, the, 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 the devil came back with the response, well, God knows, God knows that when you eat of it, you're going to become like him, and that's why he doesn't want you doing this. And, and uh, he talked her into eating it, and she talked Adam into eating it. Uh, Paul comes along later and says that she was deceived. In other words, in her mind, she believed she was doing right. In her mind, she was deceived, so she believed she was doing right, even though she was doing wrong. Now, she was still cursed by God for her sin. It didn't let her off the hook. Deception does not exclude us or excuse us. Amen. So, so, so Adam then, the Bible says, he was not deceived. In other words, he knew full well what he was doing was wrong, and he did it anyhow. And the worst curse, the worst judgment was placed upon the one who knew better and did it anyhow. That's right. I, boy, I could preach a while here. So I, I've, got a, I've got a very, very close pastor friend who calls me. Um, I'm, I am one of his elders, and he calls me sometimes when he's frustrated with situations, not knowing how to deal with them. And, I can't tell you how many times he's called me and he said, you know, this, this one family, I'm really struggling with them because they have this attitude that it's easier to get forgiveness than to get permission. So in other words, they'd rather just do it. They know it's wrong, but they know they'll come to me and I'll forgive them and, and everything will be fine. Um, you know, the key is they've got to understand Look at the story of Adam and Eve. From the very beginning, God made a distinction. Does God forgive? Yes. But God does consider it worse to know you're doing wrong and do it anyhow. So it's not a matter of I'm going to go ahead and do it and then I'll get forgiveness. No, no, no. You, you need to, anyhow, off the subject. Let me, let me get back. So, so here they, they've fallen into sin. And the minute they fell into sin, they realized they were naked. And, and, and so they are now in a dilemma. What are we going to do? You see, before the sin, they were clothed with the glory of God. But sin always separates you from God's presence. And so they had been clothed in the glory of God, but in the moment they sinned, that glory's gone. And they realize we've got to do something. And then they hear the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they said, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. Here comes God. And he's going to see that we're naked as if he didn't already know it. And, and God called out to Adam, where are you? And Adam responded. Let's look. Adam's response, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. And he said, he I heard said, thy voice I in the garden. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So I hid myself. Now, why did he hide? Why did he hide? Because he knew he had a problem. And he knew he had to do something about the problem. His answer was just to try to hide and cover it up. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. But that doesn't work. But, but I told you all that to tell you that from the very beginning, the first time that man is faced with a dilemma, though the scripture doesn't record him saying these words, I submit to you this morning that what was going over in Adam's mind was the same question we read in Acts 2 and 37, and it was this, what shall we do? We've sinned. We've made a mess. We're in trouble now. What shall we do? How are we going to fix this problem that we're in? How are we going to deal with the situation that we're in? Well, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. In fact, in fact, this, this question, this question is the most important question you will ever ask in all of your lifetime. And that is, what shall we do? This question has probably been the basis of most inventions and discoveries. Right? Man finds a disease. We got What shall we do about this disease? Man's tired of horse and buggy. What shall we do to get us farther? Isn't that the basis of every major decision that's made? What shall we do? Well, let me tell you something this morning, my friend. Every one of us are born into this world with a dilemma. We're born with a dilemma. Amen. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was, Behold, shapen, in I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin, and in did, sin my mother did my mother conceive me. This is what David lets us know, that from the very moment of conception, there is something passed down from our daddy Adam, and it's sin. It's in us. It's who we are. I've heard people say man is basically good. No, man is basically evil. He has to be taught to do good. Right? Do we have any parents in the house? Can you testify to the fact that you didn't teach your children how to lie, but they sure learned it? You don't teach them how to steal, but they sure learn it. You have to teach them not to lie and not to steal. And hopefully you're teaching them that. Praise God. But it's in our nature. And, and David said it comes at the very moment of conception. I'm going to tell you something. We need to realize it doesn't matter how good you are. This is what I have to deal with sometimes with in, in the lives of some people. Well, I haven't murdered anybody. Well, I haven't. You know, I, I, I'm not on drugs. Well, I'm not. You know, the, there's a lot of things I'm not doing. And therefore, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as someone else. No. From the moment of conception, you've got the same thing in you that they have. The difference is they let them take it further than it took you, but you still have that problem. You still are born in sin and shapen in iniquity. In fact, not born in sin. That's the way we say it. But you were conceived in sin. At the, at the moment of conception, sin was passed on to you and your nature. Paul said it this way, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned. For, wait, for, for, for. Do you understand that there are no exclusions? There are no exclusions. Do you understand? This means you. This means me. All have sinned. 
Not a question of how bad was your sin. We're not going to put degrees on sin. The fact of the matter is you sinned. Now the problem we face is because, as I said, sin separates us from God. In fact, the, 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 the judgment that was passed to Adam is passed to us. Adam's judgment when he sinned was, you're going to die. That's what God told him up front. You're going to die. Now, he didn't fall over dead when he took the bite. But the process of death began in Adam's life. He could have lived forever. He could have. That's God's plan for us, right? That's what God wants for us ultimately, right? That's the way God created man in the beginning. But man blew it. He blew it. And so now, because of man's sin, here's what we learn. Romans 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin as entered by into one the man world. sin entered into the world. And death and by death sin. death came by sin. And so death, so passed death upon is all passed men. upon. Wait a minute. So death is passed upon. That's me. That's you. That's everyone. Death is our sentence. And we're not just talking about the, the cessation of a heartbeat and breath. We're talking about spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. This is the result of our sin. Romans 6 and 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. It's death. And so I'm telling you that by simple reason of our birth, every human being that comes into this world is, is bound for eternal damnation unless they can answer the question, what shall we do? I will tell you the first step, you're going to have to recognize that you need to ask that question. You're going to have to get to a place that you understand you are faced with an eternal decision. And what you decide to do with your life is going to determine whether it's eternal happiness or eternal sorrow. You are going to make that decision. And you're going to have to ask, what shall we do? I'm headed for hell. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Am I just going to accept it? Am I just going to accept it? See, see, look, this is the difference between a success and a failure. Because a failure says, I can't do anything about it. And they quit. You know, many people who were successes failed much more often than people that are considered failures. But the difference was they kept trying. They said, okay, what I tried then didn't work. In fact, that's what I read about Thomas Edison. They said he went through um, like a thousand different things trying to create the, the, the light bulb. And somebody said, said aren't, aren't, you, aren't you discouraged? You've, you've gone through a thousand things. Look at all. And, and, and no doubt they were exaggerating, but this was the story that I read where they asked him, said, you've gone through a thousand things trying to come up with this. Aren't you discouraged? Aren't you ready to quit? He said, no, I now know 999 things that don't work. So he's still learning. All right, that didn't work. What, what will I do? That didn't work. What will I do? I'm here to preach to you this morning. If what you've tried didn't work, you've got to keep asking the question. 
You were born in sin. You were headed for a devil's hell. And somebody told you just accept the Lord as your Savior. My question, where do we find that in the Bible? Is that the answer that we're given in the Bible? And did that change your life? Or are you still struggling with the sins you've always struggled with? If it didn't work, it's time to ask the question again. That didn't work, so what shall I do? What am I going to do about the condition of my soul? I'm still bound by my sin. I'm still being pulled into the things the devil wants for me. How am I going to fix this? What shall I do? That's what brings us to our text. Because here is a group of people that are confronted with this reality. Acts chapter 2. Let's go back to it. Let's go back to it. Acts chapter 2. In fact, it's not in the notes, but we need to, we need to establish something here. Let's, let's begin with verse number 1 and, and, and just touch on it briefly. And I may come back to it. And I may not get to anything that's, that's down in my notes today, but we'll go as far as time and the Holy Ghost will allow Acts chapter 2, and just start reading with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. In one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to do what? Speak with other tongues. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, I've, I've told you, church, I've tried to teach you over 20 years, there are certain tools that are essential for, for, for proper Bible interpretation. One of them is this principle of first mention. The first time something gets mentioned in the Bible, it carries significance for us. And this is the first time we see people receiving the Holy Ghost. And what happened in that first time? When they received it, they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here's what we find. There's dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And they hear and see what is going on. And so, verses 12 and 13, let's read. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? What, what, what means this? What does all this mean? What is this all about? This is not the way we have church. This is not the way grandma's church did it. That's right. These are religious people. They were devout men. These are religious people. They go to church regularly. They're in God's house every week. But they're saying, what does all this mean? This is not the way we have church at our place. What you guys are doing is a lot different than what I'm used to. What does all this mean? Verse 13. Others mocking, Others mocking said, said, these men are full of new wine. I don't know exactly what they were doing, but I'm going to tell you this. They weren't just sitting there giving a good nod once in a while. Hallelujah. They weren't there afraid to say amen because the whole church would turn around and stare at them. Something was going on this day that caused the onlookers, some of them, to say, these people must be drunk. I don't know what they're doing, but they must have been staggering around under the power of God. They, some of them probably were running. Some were probably dancing. Some were probably jumping. They were acting totally different than, they, than these Jews had ever seen anybody act in church. 
said, what does all this mean? And so Peter stood up. Verse 14. Then Peter, standing up, standing with, the 11, up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said up his them, voice, and he said, Ye men of Judea, men of Judea and, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, Jerusalem, be this, be known, this unto you, known unto you, and hearken to my, hearken words. To my words. For these are not drunken as because you suppose. Because these are not drunk the way you think they he are. Is, but he the didn't say they're not drunk. He just said they're not drunk the way you think they're drunk. Well, hallelujah. These are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. It's 9 a.m. This is not a time for drunkenness. The day is just beginning. Read. But this is that which this was spoken, is that which was by, the spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to it pass. Come to pass. In, the last days, in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out, I'll my pour spirit out of my flesh. spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men, your young men are going to see visions. Your old men, men are going to dream dreams. And on my servants, on my servants and on my handmaidens, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. They shall prophesy. Now listen, listen, listen. This this crowd is wondering, what is all of this? What's going on? And Peter took advantage of the situation and began to preach. And he said, what you're witnessing right now is the direct fulfillment of what a, one of your own prophets said would happen hundreds of years ago. Joel prophesied that in the last days, the Spirit of God was going to be poured out. And he said, I testify to you today, this is that. This is what Joel was talking about. And then he began to talk to them. And he began to preach to them about Jesus Christ. He began to let them know. This is what's happened. And that's where we get down to verse 36 where we started this morning. Read. Therefore, let all the Therefore, house this of Israel. This is the end of Peter's sermon. Where some folks probably would like for me to go right now. To the end of mine. But just... Bear with me for a few minutes, praise God. But we're going to the very end of Peter's sermon here. And this is his last comment. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, no wait a minute, know. He said, listen to me, you Jews. There's something you've got to come to grips with. There is something you've got to realize. This is not a matter of you just wondering whether it's the case or not. But if we're going to go any farther in any explanation, you need to know assuredly. You need to settle this issue in your mind. Know assuredly what? That God hath made that, that same God Jesus. hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, you crucified just Christ. seven weeks ago, just outside of this city. You are the one that put him to death. And you better know assuredly that one you put to death is Lord and Christ. He is. Now listen, the Jews only know one Lord. They only know one Lord. So when he called him Lord to the Jews, he was saying, this is the God of Abraham. He is both the God of Abraham and the promised Messiah, which is what Christ means. He's both the God of Abraham and he's your promised Messiah, but you crucified him. Now, what does that mean to them? They have put to death their Messiah. So what happened? Verse 37. 
Now when they now heard when they this, heard this, they were pricked in, they their, were heart, pricked in their heart. Said unto Peter, and they said to Peter, to the rest of and the, the rest of the apostles, men and, brethren, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is it. They come to this question, the most important question you can ask in your lifetime. This is what they're asking. We realize all of a sudden we thought we were good people. We thought we were religious. We thought we had salvation, but now we recognize we're doing it all wrong. So tell me, Peter, what shall we do? How do I fix this problem? How do I correct this problem? What do I do about this problem? What am I going to do? I've got sin on my record. How do I get rid of it? What shall we do? Now, again, the principle of first mention, because this is the first time since the birth of the church. The church was born in Acts chapter 2. Prior to Acts chapter 2, the church as a body did not exist. It started in Acts chapter 2. So this is the first time in all the word of God that we find lost people asking how to be saved. The first time. They want to know how to be saved. Now, this is why some of you, I may have thrown you for a loop a while ago when I said something about accepting Christ as your Savior. I'm going to tell you, this is the first time that sinners ask how to be saved in the church age. And Peter's response was not accept the Lord as your personal Savior. In fact, I've traveled around Africa. I've been, been through a lot of the countries of southern Africa. Now I've been to, to uh, Liberia in western Africa. And I ask this question everywhere I go, and nobody has an answer. And that is... Where in the Bible does it use the words accept the Lord as your personal Savior? That's what preachers are telling people by the millions. And yet there's not one scripture for giving that answer. Not one. It doesn't exist. And especially when we look here to the very first example of people being lost. And they're asking specifically, what shall we do? Tell us how to deal with this sin problem. So, verse 38, then Peter said unto them. Repent. Now, look, Peter is answering the question. Do you see that? Do you understand that? They ask, what shall we do? And Peter answers the question. And he doesn't say, accept the Lord. He doesn't even say, believe on the Lord. He said, repent. Repent. What is repentance? Repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is being sorry. Repentance is recognizing that you're lost and you need help. But even to those that are saved, we still need repentance. And there are times that we transgress God's law. We need to repent. It's not just saying, God, I'm sorry. But it's recognizing that your sin will destroy you. And saying, God, I'm sorry enough, I want to quit. The alcoholic who truly repents will not go back to his alcohol. The drug addict who truly repents will not go back to his drugs. The nicotine addict who truly repents will not go back to his nicotine. I don't have time to go into all this this morning. But, but if you question this, go back and read about John the Baptist. People coming to him wanting to be baptized. And John said, no, before I baptize you, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, prove to me you've repented. There needs to be a change in your life. And then start reading what he told him to do. 
told them to make changes. You stole them from somebody, make it good. Return it. He goes through a list. This is what real repentance is. So Peter doesn't say accept. Peter doesn't say believe. The first thing Peter says is repent. But he doesn't stop there, does he? There's not a period here. He says to repent and do something else. What did he say? And be baptized. And be baptized. Every one of you. Not those that would like to. Not those who choose to. He's answering the question, what shall we do? This is the answer. This is the answer. What shall we do? Well, let's start with repentance, and then let's be baptized in the name of, do you notice he did not say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? You notice what he said. He's telling people how to be saved. He said be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of these sins you've repented of. Remission. Get them taken away. Isn't that what it means? When you get a bill in the mail, it says remit to. Remit. That's taking care of the debt. You want to take care of the sin debt? The only way to get remission is baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. So you've repented and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But I submit to you this morning that those things are only the prelude to Peter's answer. How do we deal with the sin problem? How do we deal with the sin problem? And Peter said, well, I've got an answer for you. But before you can get the answer to your sin problem, we got to deal with something else. You need to start by repentance. And then you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then he said, I'm going to tell you, here is the answer. You want to know what shall you do? Here's what you shall do. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to you this morning. That's what you need. You need more than just believing. You need more than just accepting. You need more than just confessing. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I am here to tell you that this same answer is the answer everybody needs. In fact, I'm again, I'm not just preaching to those that don't have the Holy Ghost. I want to try to show you over the next few minutes. Do I have the time? I've got a few minutes here. Give me just a few minutes. I want to give us time for some prayer here at the end before we get to running too late. But I just want to show you. I want to show you that even to those who have already received the Holy Ghost, the answer to your dilemmas in life. is the same answer Peter gave the sinner. Well, hallelujah. The problems you face, the things you're dealing with, the struggles that you have, I'm going to tell you, what shall we do? The answer is, receive the Holy Ghost. What shall we do? The answer is, what shall we do? The answer is, what shall we do? The answer is, that's what we shall do. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, I'm going to tell you what we need. We need to make a run back to God and say, Lord, I need more Holy Ghost. I need more Holy Ghost. Fill me up, Jesus. Give me more, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
let me do this quickly, and I, I may skip over some of this, Brother Jared, so just try to follow with me. I've already shown you in our text the way to deal with conviction. If you're here today and you're pricked in your heart over the things that I'm telling you, and you recognize and realize that somebody lied to you about your salvation, amen, you thought you were saved. You say, is that possible? Of course it's possible. The Bible tells us that on the day of judgment, there are going to be people who are so convinced they're saved, they're going to argue with Jesus himself about it. They're going to say, Lord, haven't we done great works in your name? we prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. Even though they've done all these things in his name. They believed they were saved. I'm not talking about people who were doing things in the name of Allah or Buddha. They said, we're doing this in your name, in the name of Jesus. They thought they were saved. They'd been told they were saved. But the problem is when they ask what shall we do, they were given the wrong answer. I'm giving you the Bible answer today. This is what the Bible said. This is what you shall do. This is what you shall do. What shall we do? What shall we do? That's the answer, I'm telling you. Look, when they were faced with conviction and they asked Peter, what shall we do? His answer was, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he told them there's some things you got to take care of. There's some things you need to do to prepare for that. You need to repent. You really need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, we do read in Acts chapter 10 where somebody received it before they got baptized. So I'm telling you, you can receive it before you get baptized. But when they did, Peter commanded them to be baptized afterwards. You can read in Acts chapter 10. Amen. You can read Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Amen. We're not going to take time because I'm, I'm in a hurry this morning. But I want you to see that, the, that he says to them, if you're convicted and you want to be saved, the answer is receive the Holy Ghost. That's your answer. That's your answer. Amen. Now, I want you to show you something else. We go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are up against a dilemma. They're on their way to prayer, and there's a man here who's got a need. The man's lame. They didn't have welfare in, in, in Peter's day. They didn't have it in Peter's day. If somebody was crippled, if somebody was diseased, if somebody was handicapped, their only means of making a living for most of them was to beg. That was it. And here was a man, lame, that's sitting outside the temple gate. He was lame from his mother's womb. Let's read it. Acts chapter 3, verse 2. And a certain man lame from his lame mother's womb. Lame from his mother's From the time he was born, he's never been able to walk. What a problem. What a dilemma. Read. Was carried. Whom and they he laid. Was carried and laid. Daily at the gate. Daily at of the, the gate temple, of the temple. Which is called beautiful. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple. He had some friends, maybe some family that cared enough about him. They knew he couldn't walk to the temple. So they would carry him every day to the temple. Hoping that people who said they loved God also loved people. Which we should. In fact, the apostle said, how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother? Well, hallelujah. So they take him to church hoping somebody there will have compassion. And every day he's sitting there begging alms. Every day he's begging alms. But today's going to be a different day. Well, hallelujah. Because this is not just anybody walking into the temple today. This is Peter and John. And I want you to see what happens. Verse number 6. 
Then Peter said, then Peter said Silver and gold, silver have, and I gold have I none. But such as but I have, what I do have, give I, thee. I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name Nazareth. of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up, and rise up and walk. And the Bible says immediately he received strength, his feet and ankle bones. He began to leap. He began to jump. He ran into the temple praising God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Peter said, such as I have, that's what I'm going to give you. What did he have? Well, I don't have time to go into this, but if you get into the next chapter, Peter and John were not well received over this miracle. The Jewish leaders didn't like this fact that they'd done this and afraid that they're going to bring more converts from Judaism into Christianity. And so they're called into question. And they ask them, by what name or by what power have you done this? And here is the answer. Now remember, we're, we're, Peter said, such as I have. That's what I'm going to give you. What did he give? Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 tells us what Peter had. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, then Peter filled, with the, Holy filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. What did Peter have? He had the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, this is what he's saying to the lame man. Listen, he's saying to him, I could give you a few pities if I had them. I could give you a few coins if I had them. But you know what will happen? Tomorrow, you'll be right back here begging again. I want to give you something that's going to last longer than a few dollars will last. I want to give you something that's going to do more good than what a few cents is going to do you. Listen to me, church. I just said we've got to be compassionate. We've got to care about people. And I believe that with every ounce of my being. But I'm going to tell you the real answer for the poor and the homeless is not a soup kitchen. The real answer for the poor and the homeless is not a clothing pantry. I believe in helping. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm going to tell you, we can give them all those things and they still die and go to hell. The real answer, what they really need, is the Holy Ghost. We got to get to where they receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Such as I have. Such, what, what does he have? He has the Holy Ghost. And he's saying, this is the real answer to your dilemma. Receive the Holy Ghost. This is what you need. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Now, we read on down in this chapter just a few verses later. They've got another problem because Peter stood up boldly and said, I'm going to tell you, full of the Holy Ghost, I preached, I did all this in the name of Jesus Christ. They're not happy. They threaten them. They beat them. They say, don't you ever preach in that name again. And I'm telling you, they get back home and they're, they're having a big powwow. You know, we've just been commanded by our government to stop preaching this. Do you understand? We've been beaten because we preach this. So if we keep preaching it, we're all going to be beaten. So what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with this? I'm telling you, fear and intimidation tried to grip the hearts of God's people. But there was a way to deal with it. What shall we do? What shall we do? Verse 18, chapter 4, verse 18. And they called them and they commanded them, them not, they commanded to, speak them not all, to speak at all or teach, or teach the name, the name of, Jesus. of Jesus. All right, verse 21. So when they had when they further, further threatened, threatened them, them, they let them go. They let them go. Finding nothing finding how nothing. they might punish them. All right, them. Let's, let's go on down. Verse 31. And when they had prayed. And when they had prayed. 
The place this is how they dealt with it. What shall we do? Fear, intimidation. I'm afraid to speak. I don't know what's going to happen. If I tell somebody what happened to me, I don't know how they'll respond. Here's the answer to fear and intimidation. And when they had prayed, the place was the shaken, place was shaken they were where they together. were assembled together they were and they the were God. all filled with the Holy Ghost. And as a result, they spake the word of God with boldness. This was the answer to their fear and intimidation. They just needed some more Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, that's one of the reasons God gives you the Holy Ghost. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power. I don't have time to read it. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. Let's try to go through this very rapid fire here. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. Uh, if you're confused, you don't know what to do. Some of you sitting in this service are hearing things for the first time, and you're saying, I don't understand. This is so different than what I've ever heard. I'm confused. Well, let me tell you the way to deal with confusion. John 16, verse 13. Albeit when he, the spirit, when of, he, the the spirit, spirit of, truth, of truth is come. He, he will shall guide you guide into, you all, into truth. all truth. Listen, if you're confused, what you need is truth. How do you get truth? You let the spirit of truth come. You receive the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it's the Holy Ghost that's going to clear up your confusion. Well, somebody said, I'm depressed. I'm downhearted. I've had problems. I've, I've just gone through this terrible situation. How do you deal with your depression? I want to tell you how. John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. But the comforter. But the comforter, which is the, which Holy, is Ghost. the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach, he shall you, all teach you all things. And bring all things, bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever, Whatever I've said to you, peace, peace I leave, I with, leave you. with you. My peace, my I, peace give I give to you. Not as the world, as the world gives, give I, give I unto you. Let, Let not your heart be troubled, neither. How do we do it? How do we do it? Through the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. That's what's going to pick us up. That's what's going to lift our spirits. That's what's going to encourage our heart is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody said, I've got, a, I've got an anger problem. I've got a, I hate this person. I despise this person. I can't get on. You know, we, we usually try to sanctify our hatred. We do. We do. I'm just being honest. Most people try to sanctify their hatred. They won't say, I hate him. I just really don't like him. I, I don't hate him, but I sure don't like him. Are you battling with animosity? Are you? I'm preaching to all of us today. I'm not just preaching to people who don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to all of us today. Are you battling with, with hatred? Are you battling with, with animosity? Are you battling with anger? I'm going to show you what happens. Amen. Romans chapter 5. What shall we do? Romans 5 and 5. What shall I do about my anger and my hatred? Amen. Romans 5 and 5. And hope maketh not hope ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God but is the shed love abroad. of God is shed abroad in our in hearts, our hearts by, the, by Holy the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you how you can deal with your hatred your animosity, your bitterness, your anger. I'll tell you how. Receive the Holy Ghost. Go back and get more Holy Ghost because the love of God comes into your heart with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. 
Amen. Somebody said, I just don't think I can give up the world. I, I, I feel this pull, this tug, amen, to the things of the world. And what am I going to do about it? How am I going to deal with it? Well, you know, it's really tightly connected to what we just read in Romans 5 and 5. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Love not the world. Love not the world. The things that, are, the in the things world. that are in the world. If any man, if any man the world. Listen, listen. If any man loves the world, the what? The love of the Father is not in The him. love of the Father. Do you see what Paul said or John said? John said, if you love the world, you don't have enough of God's love in your heart. Because if you've got God's love in your heart, you're going to quit loving the world. What did we just read in Romans 5 and 5 that puts God's love in our heart? The love of God which is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You want to know what the answer is for that drawing to the world? You want to know what the answer is for those things you feel like you can't get up? Just come to the altar and tell God I need some more Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. I want you to fill me up today, God. Amen. The Holy Ghost will take away those desires. Amen. One more. Come, come, to, the, come to the piano. One more. One more. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, do I have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved? Well, Peter said this is the answer to the question. What shall we do? Now, let me show you something. How many of you want to go up in the rapture? How many of you want to go up when the Lord comes back? How many of you want to go up? Come on, that ought to be every hand in the house. You want to go when the Lord calls, don't you want to go? Can I show you what it's going to take for you to be able to go? Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit but if the wait, but if the spirit, but if the if the if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. You want to know how we're gonna go up? There's only one way it's gonna happen. We gotta have the Holy Ghost. We've got to have the Holy Ghost. If you want your body to be resurrected, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, whatever the situation, whatever the problem, whatever you're dealing with today, your answer is receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, I've received it, and I still have a problem. We'll receive some more. Receive some more. Receive some more. When we read in Acts chapter 4, we read about people that had already received it once, but they went back and again were filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, for more time. Let's stand. Let's stand. But I, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. How do you know that you received the Holy Ghost? How do you know that it happened? Let's, let's very quickly, very quickly, very quickly here. Go with me. Very quickly. Are you ready with your Bible? Can you turn to these scriptures quickly? John chapter 3, verse number 8. John 3, verse 8. Amen. Listen to what Jesus said. This is Jesus speaking. John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind bloweth where it The wind listed. blows where it wants to. Now here's the sound hear the sa Everyone say, you hear the sound. sound. Everyone say, you hear the sound. sound. Now here's the sound thereof. But can't not tell. You don't know what's it coming? where it comes from or, whether it goes. or where it's going to. So is everyone. And then he says, so is everyone that is born in spirit. spirit. Now look, he said, there are some things about the birth of the spirit we don't understand. We don't always understand how it comes. We don't always understand where it's going. But there's one thing we do understand. Every time that you're born of the spirit, thou hearest the sound thereof. There is a sound that's going to come when you're born of the spirit. Look, I've been there for the birth of 
three children. I've been there for the birth of my seven grandchildren. I'm going to tell you, I was glad that the doctor said they've got two eyes, two ears. They've got a mouth. They've got ten fingers and ten toes. I'm glad for all that. But I was waiting on something else. As annoyed as some of you get with a baby crying, let me tell you, there was nothing annoying about hearing any one of those babies cry. It was when I heard the sound that I knew I had a baby that'd been born alive. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, everyone, everyone that's born of the Spirit, you're going to hear the sound of it. What sound is it? Well, we read it in Acts chapter 2. But go over to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 2. Amen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, that they had received the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when the Holy Ghost came, they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Now let me show you something. We go to John chapter, I mean Acts chapter 10 now. Amen. We go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. Amen. Acts chapter 10. Peter is preaching to Gentiles. No Gentile has ever been saved at this point. No Gentile is in the church at this point. But something's about to change. Amen. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. While Peter yet, While spake, Peter these yet words, spake these words, Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost fell on all the them which the Holy Ghost fell. The Holy Ghost fell on those Gentiles. They received the Holy Ghost. Read. And they have the circumcision which, the circumcision which believed were astonished. They were absolutely blown away because Jews received the Holy Ghost. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out. Now, let me ask you something. They said the Gentiles just got the Holy Ghost. The Gentiles just got the Holy Ghost. And they're amazed that they just got the Holy Ghost. How did they know they just got the Holy Ghost? If receiving the Holy Ghost is just something you accept and it just happens, how did these Jews know the Gentiles had just gotten it? Well, this is the last thing that said, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The very next verse, verse 46, for, they heard for this is how they knew. They heard them speak with speak tongues, with tongues magnify and magnify God. God. That's the sign. I'm going to tell you, if you've never spoken in tongues, you've not received the Holy Ghost. And the answer to the most important question you will ever ask, what shall we do? The answer is receive the Holy Ghost. That's the answer. That's the answer. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. These altars are open this morning. If you're here without the Holy Ghost, the altar's open to you. If you're here just needing more Holy Ghost, the altar's open to you. That ought to be all of us. We all need some more Holy Ghost. We all need more Holy Ghost. <laughs>